Great to have you with us at Curious Conversations About Sex, brought to you by Curious Creatures. In case it's not clear from the title, this podcast includes conversations about sex, so have a think about who's in earshot and enjoy. So to today's episode, where we're chatting with Erica Munton from Birth Ready. Um, so, Erica, you're a doula. Can you just uh, let's just start with a little about you, about what you generally do, and who that's generally for? Absolutely, and it's Great. good to be here, Rog. Yay! <laughs> um, yes. So, I am a birth and relationships coach. So, I work with couples during their pregnancy. I'm with them in labour and supporting them as they transition into life as a parent. Mm. So I use my skills as a life coach, as a childbirth educator, a bit of hypnotherapy, a bit of NLP, a bit of group facilitation, all of those things coming together. Quick quick little jargon check, what's NLP? Oh, neuro-linguistic programming. Great, super. Um, And so so today we're talking about sex and intimacy and love, like uh, around birth, before birth, during birth, after birth and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to frame it a little bit, I'm going to guess that most of your clients are probably hetero or at least hetero presenting. Yes. Um, I'm guessing some of what we're talking about today will be true for any person that's going through the birthing process in terms of the physical effects. Yeah. Um, And some of it will be true for just people who have adopted a child and, and the impact on life. But I'm guessing most of our conversation and most of your clients are uh, hetero-presenting couples? Yes. Yep. yep. Great. Pretty much. So let's just bear that in mind. Yep. Um, and and also, I understand that... Uh, so at first guess, I would have thought that your services were mostly focused around the birthing process itself, but you're here with much passion and interest <laughs> and knowledge around sex and intimacy and connection and love around that. Absolutely. Yeah, most people come to me because the biggest thing is I've got to give birth. <laughs> yeah, which is... <laughs> Bit of a big deal. It's like, a big fair deal. Enough. As that baby grows, they're like, oh, this has to come out of me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I better start doing something about getting ready for that. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's a bit of a thing, childbirth. It is. It's a bit of a thing. And it can be amazing. Like, it is, to me, one of the most transformative moments of anyone's life. Um, but our culture has a lot of fear around it mm. and we know statistically that women mostly fear not being in control and mm. secondly fear pain. Mm. So in order to help them be best prepared, um, I come in as a support, as an yes. educator, as a guide. Yeah. Um, but really my little covert plan is how can this couple fall more in love with each other wow. through this experience so that the birth is like a foundation that – helps them really build their house, their family home from it in, on really solid ground. Huh. So is it a little bit like um, oftentimes when we have intense, strong experiences in life, uh, like challenges or radical changes, if we can find a way to do them with a partner, then suddenly we find ourselves in a more intimate spot than we were before? Or like maybe, maybe like what doesn't divide us brings us together? Totally. Something like that? Beautiful words. Yeah, yeah. Great. Absolutely. And unfortunately... Um, no, not unfortunately, but 
in during pregnancy, there is a little bit of a honeymoon time that couples are going through. They think, oh, my God, we're having that baby finally. Oh, yeah, right. You know, yeah. sometimes they've gone through some struggles to have that baby or it's a bit unplanned but they're getting their head around it. <laughs> a little bit um, yep. But there's a little bit of they don't want to burst the bubble because yeah. post-baby there is a decline in relationship wellness. Yeah. We do have a... 25% divorce rate for families with children under the age of five. Uh-huh. So my interest is what can people do during the pregnancy when you do actually have more time and energy to invest in the relationship, health and wellness, so that you're going to have better skills to actually carry mm. that across to into the birth experience and into you know, life with a baby, you know, tiredness yeah, and right, yeah. more responsibilities and yeah. roles uh, of what you have to do. Sounds like it maybe echoes in some ways the process of getting engaged. Like for a little while there, it's like, yay, 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 oh, my God, we're engaged. This is so great. And then the impending fear of spending uh, a substantial portion of one's life with this person starts to settle in <laughs> and you have an experience of the, oh, my gods. Yeah. And it gets more complicated, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so can you give us a bit of an outline as to what you generally see happening, particularly the impacts on sex, love and intimacy uh, from the pregnancy and childbirth and early childhood years mm. process? Most women will have a decline in libido during their pregnancy and that will that takes some time after the birth to come back and that can really be... Weeks, months, years. Uh-huh, yeah. And it really can vary depending on, um, well, the health of a relationship, her physical um, well-being after giving birth, that there might have been pre-existing health or mental health issues that carry on. Yes. We have one in seven women having postnatal depression and one in ten men. Yes. So that doesn't help. And I... I- Yes, particularly during pregnancy, I understand there's a whole host of hormonal experiences going on. Absolutely. But then again, at the same time, you've also got the stress and anxiety of life's about to change incredibly massively, yep. um, which can be a bit of a libido killer in itself. Yeah, and then sometimes there's just like, I'm, I've got thrush, please don't touch me there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just feeling her sense of I'm looking and feeling myself as a mother now, and that shifts her from feeling herself as a lover. Hmm. So I've had slight, slight sidebar. I've had, as a sex worker, I've had a couple of clients who have been uh, pregnant and who have said that their their partners have been too scared to play with them or have penetrative sex in particular um, during during pregnancy. Is that is that like a thing? It does happen. Yeah. What a pity. Hey. They think, yeah, it feels like it's the baby's territory now or yeah. I don't understand the full psychology of what must be going on there. But um, me. I wonder if you click into a mode where you stop seeing each other just as sex objects and you start to see each other as uh, like, I don't know. I don't know what's not a sex object. <laughs> well, you know, the archetypes of, yeah. you know, the the birthing mother, the earth mother yeah. would also be one, or he might see himself more as a protector now, Yes, um, yes. provider. The stress that a, uh, a dad to be or a partner to be might go through is this extra feeling of responsibility that I have to take care of my partner and my baby. Yeah. And right. then that starts adding extra pressure with the way they're, managing work or bringing work home or 
preparing for that transition. Yeah, right. So everyone goes into a little bit of a stress. Can do. Can do, potentially, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, cool. All right. So we've been talking a fair bit about um, uh, pregnancy and pre-birth times. Go on. Talk to me about what happens uh, during uh, birth itself and then afterwards. Yeah. To me, the benefits of having some connection of preparing your body for birthing by keeping some awareness of your sex, your love and your intimacy to yourself and your partner, Mm. uh, that birth is inherently a very sexual experience. Mm -hmm. The same hormones are being used to get the baby in there as they're used to get the baby out Mm -hmm. in Uh a perfect scenario, not IVF, but in hormonal world, we need oxytocin to contract our genitals and release fluids for making eggs and sperm come together. And we need to contract the uterus to eject the baby out and we contract the milk ducts to let the milk out. So it's a hormone of love and making life happen. Mm. And with that comes endorphins, which gives us our ecstatic, you know, high experiences that add to us feeling attachment and bonding and love and I'm going to do the work of taking care of this baby. Mm, mm. So in birth, we want to optimise those hormones. Yeah. So when uh, a partner, a woman and her partner have a real bond in feeling comfortable to go into those emotions and those Im- physical sensations, then she's going to have an easier birth. If she, you know, okay, we call contractions painful, but we can call them intense or Mm. sensations or experiences, whatever. If her partner can really stay solid in believing in her ability and stay present, so he's noticing her, he's observing her nonverbal cues, and he's giving her love, then that is literally pain relief for her. Right. That's like he is the human epidural. Right, okay. It's the and relationship cocaine. Yeah, yeah. And if they've been practicing their connection and their care and their support in their pregnancy, then both of them are trusting their own intuition on how to do that dance in that birth. So I'm guessing you wouldn't want to go into birth with a massive conflict just sitting there unresolved? Exactly. Probably yeah. not. Um, <laughs> uh, I've also heard some people describe childbirth as, I think the exact phrase was the mother of all orgasms. Um, mm. is, that, is that a common thing? I've heard some people talk about that even with a sense of shame or embarrassment. Yeah. That, well, that birth itself was actually a sexual experience? Yeah, I have been witness to it. It's yeah. almost always with a second baby. Uh-huh. If you've birthed vaginally the first time, then the body does open a little easier wow. and a mother is more confident about who she is as a mother. The, the lifestyle has been adapted to as mother and father, as partners to parents, etc. Mm. So there's a bit less work that might be holding up a mother's, holding her mother in, the mother in fear. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and if she's done some of that body work, she might be, and the hope is that every birth makes you more in awe of yourself. Oh, mm. my God, I gave birth. Aren't I amazing? So that second time round, rather than sit in the unknown of the, oh, what's this going to feel like and how my life's going to change, she might actually have greater confidence to really just enjoy the sensation. Yeah. Okay. As the divine all said, it's a fine line between pleasure and pain. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm told. <laughs> um, and so moving on to the period um, um, uh, after our birth, mm. um, how's, how, do, how do relationships tend to track? Yeah. So when there's been conscious relating and preparation, 
there's much better outcomes mm. for mothers and fathers, mothers and partners. So, so the typical trend, sorry to interrupt, but the yep. typical trend is uh, like, like uh, I think everyone's aware that there's going to be something resembling a massive drop-off of sexual interest yeah. for at least a fair old chunk of time. Some some good birth. months to yep. a year, yeah, up to a year-ish. Yep. But they really can vary, yeah. Okay. And also there's a greater chance of conflict and reactive behaviour when you're tired and stretched. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. So just to check, you're saying that if you uh, deprive someone of sleep and introduce a massive element of stress and life change in their life, you're saying that that could result in more conflict? Yes. <laughs> good, good to know. Good to know. And that doesn't always help the the, the sexy juices flow. Yeah. God, it's mm. such a ride, isn't it? Mm. Like. Fuck, it's such a ride. And it's such a wild experiment that we're trying to do this um, as uh, two people or one people or even just a small number yeah, of people. Yeah, living in their own little houses. Oh, good luck No with that villages experiment. around them much. Yeah. 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 It is a big gig. It takes a community. Yeah. And it takes a lot of compassion and forgiveness to, like, let go of things that you do fuck up with your partner or mm. with yourself when you're going through this change. That sounds like good counselling advice anyway, but I guess particularly good uh, for new parents. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so did you want to say much more about that pattern and how it tends to track over time? Yeah. I feel like it's worth saying that when people see this journey or this time of pregnancy through to parenting as a continuum, it's mm. not just about the birth then they're going to prepare themselves for using the skills that they learned during their pregnancy to improve it, to help a better birth outcome, actually the same skills they then use in their early parenting time. Right, so it's more like stage of life planning rather than event planning. Yeah. So if I encourage a connection practice, which for like a really, really simple start would be when you hug each other at the door or give each other a kiss goodnight, just linger and notice that person. Mm-hmm. Make a bit more eye contact. Say with your eyes, I really love you and I really appreciate this big journey we're on. Maybe feel the heartbeat a bit or just notice the touch that you've got going on before you fall asleep, mm. you know, becoming mm. a bit more conscious about how you are connecting. Mm. And, of course, that can sound quite tantric mm. um, and that can go to the extremes of really awesome kinky play to prepare mm. for birth if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. But the lovely two-minute game or five-minute game yeah. is a great one yeah. for birth preparation because it's how can we yeah. ask for what we want how can we be clear about saying we like this, we don't like this? You know, this is birth happens to a woman's body. We want her to own that a whole lot more. We want her partner to be able to hold it for her as well. Yeah. So um, regular listeners to this podcast will have heard us talk about the two-minute game before, but um, let's linger there for a second because it's just such a golden little little thing. Um, so the basic structure is you take it in turns to ask for what you want for, uh, uh, for two minutes. Uh, if your partner is into that experience, then that's what's hap- that's it. that is what happens for uh, two minutes. The, the alarm goes off, and then you switch mm. and switch back and switch back and switch back. And um, one of the things there's a lot of things about that game that I adore. But I guess uh, as I think about um, sex after having given birth, 
uh, I imagine one of its strengths is that, um, particularly um, as the uh, person that's given birth to someone, your body's changed a great deal and um, you might not be into the things that you were into, things mm. that you were into might not be possible. Um, sometimes you're both just going to be really tired, mm -hmm. so particular activities that require a lot of energy um, or require the capacity to be able to get aroused and orgasmic, all of that uh, stuff that sometimes works really well when you're just sort of um, um, playing it by ear with sex is yep. not, not possible anymore. So something like a two-minute game lets you uh, open up to a whole bunch of other activities that aren't don't don't rely on a on the body you used to have. Absolutely, exactly. And you may only have fifteen minutes. Yeah, oh, baby's sleeping longer than we thought. Oh my god! Or they've just yeah. gone to bed, gone to sleep. Okay, well we could do yeah. the dishes, but yeah, let's yeah. do this. And it's actually like um, if you've got fifteen minutes, it's actually incredibly hard to say, hey, let's commit to being all aroused and having sex for fifteen mm. minutes. That's almost impossible to commit to. But it's really possible to say, let's just play a few rounds of two minute game. Doesn't have to include anything that looks like sex. Let's just hang out and connect and be intimate together. Yeah, I feel uh, as a, as a non parent imagining parent life, I imagine that's a lot easier. <laughs> Totally. And it's just that little checking to say we're okay. Yep, we love each other. We're here for each other. Yeah. It's just kind of checking in on those foundations. Yeah. But hopefully, because so many people are like busy in their heads. Uh -huh. So that first round of the two-minute game just gets them to drop a little bit into noticing their body. Mm. And then the next round they might get a little more creative with something else that's not just the standard, can you give my shoulders a rub, yeah. which is a great starting point. Such a good starting point, <laughs> yeah. But then might lead to actually could you stroke my chest yes. or just touch my inner thighs yes. or could you just feed me my dessert tonight Yes. or just something that drops into a little more sensuality where they then can just trust that they've still got the spark even if they don't have much time or energy to go much further with it. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Hey friends, I'm interrupting with a favour to ask. I create this podcast for free because I like spreading the good word of sex positivity. I actually really dig it, and if anyone wants to pay me just to make this podcast, I'd be so on board with that. But in the meanwhile, I have a favour to ask. For every 10 episodes you listen to, please think about one episode that might appeal to one person in your life, and send them a message suggesting that they have a listen. This is not like an actual contract between us, of course, because you didn't get any say in it. Um, but you'd be really helping the cause if you're willing to get on board with that. Thanks. Is there more you wanted to say about the psychological or relationship or identity levels of impact of um, pregnancy and birth and early childhood years? Yeah, there is obviously a complete change of human identity you're going through. Mm. So there is a reorganising of yourself, your sense of self that's mm. ha ha happening throughout that whole time. I love it when the other pa parent of the baby does also get an opportunity to really check in on how they're tracking as far as preparing for becoming mm. other partner because they often don't get much of... Um, a check-in in our culture. Yeah. So particularly the dads, they mm -hmm. really are a bit left to the side. We've come from a community of birth, but usually a surrounding of women 
around the birthing woman. Then we took that away, put them in hospitals and gave them nobody, had a few wars and (laughs) an industrial revolution where we had uh, midwives evolve from being military nurses and it was really hardcore to eventually a a shift in evolution and women in the 60s and 70s going, no, we want rights, we want to have our partners there. And then men arrived and they're like, oh, what do we do? And weren't really told anything much. So nowadays... Men are expected to be at the births of their babies and yet we're still catching up to really giving them skills. Yeah, yeah. So psychologically they're um, going through some tough times because there's expectation that they haven't even really cottoned on to. Yes. Women and mothers and fathers aren't always talking about that. Yes. Uh, health professionalism is, is not always telling them what they could do to be helpful. Yes. And so we're seeing some psychological trauma with men as well postnatally as I was saying before that depression and anxiety in the perinatal period pre and post is on the rise yeah okay um I imagine uh, a lot of uh partners um going through uh, the birthing process uh probably fall into the same trap that a lot of carers fall into which is just to say well this entire period is focused around the other person Mm. and then suddenly you find carers or perhaps partners who are just totally frazzled and unprepared for what's going on and haven't put their own management plans and strategies in place yeah absolutely that's a good good example to give yeah um i've also heard i don't know if there's um it's uh there's data to hand on this but um i i've heard that partners that are present and actively involved in the birthing process like obviously not to the point of getting in the way and being annoying but partners that are present are much more likely to benefit from bonding with the child from the get-go much better statistics there right here no that's yeah that's absolutely evidence-based now right and so we want to support um, dads and other mothers to be a part of the birth experience because they get awesome benefits out of it yeah they really they really get the high they fall in love they want to care more for their partner and child and they they actually have higher nurturing hormones which makes them want to do the parenting work Mm. more from their own desire Mm. Mm. as well so lots of stats out there proving that now right great yeah and i managed imagine it just paves the way for an egalitarian future as well. So yes. if, uh, yeah, it's just starting from the right spot in yeah. terms of being equal parents, if that's what's desired. Absolutely. Yeah. And to, yeah, to have those uh, bigger gendered questions around the fact that he works more and she's more at home and the inequality that can come, yeah. uh, not necessarily that they perceive that as in unequal. If they put equal value to their different roles, that's fine. But the reality that our culture does not give it equal value yeah. makes it harder and harder for the unpaid worker, the stay-at-home parent, to um, find, their, find their power and have their ability to move forward in life is a bit more difficult. And so what we're finding is that there are more discussions around how to balance work and home life. Mm. There's more job share happening with men so that the mother might have two days back at work and keep her foot in the door of her career Yeah, and so on. So, Well, mm. whatever way you look at it, it just makes it easier for, if we're talking about a heterosexual couple doing classically stereotyped roles, 
yeah, it just makes it easier for the woman to get it back into the workforce if that's the desire. Also makes it easier for the man to get back into the family if that's yes. his desire. So, yes. yeah, get that started right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect we have biases around that, you and I. But, uh, yeah. yeah, and the other thing that is just to mention that love feels different once you've got a baby, you're sharing it. Mm. So this love you had with each other that make you made you want the baby has made you sort of direct that attention towards the baby. Do you get much resentment between couples that they've got this child that they love and is amazing and so forth, but um, it means that they're no longer the sole focus of their partner's attention? That can be an issue, yeah. We have an unfortunate escalation of family violence during pregnancy and the first year of life. Oh, really? Because of all sorts of aspects like that. Whose boobs are they anyway? Oh, they're the babies now. Hang on. Um, And just, I guess, the the introduction of, yeah, stress and anxiety and change of life and lack of sleep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard that. And that's cross-cultural. It's not just who we kind of have a stereotypical perception of it happening to. Yeah. Yeah. Bummer. (sighs) Which is why I think as soon as we can, let's be conscious about how we can love and nurture connection, yeah. whether that's in the way we connect with our minds or feel in our bodies so that we really support, you know, that pe- couples preparing for birth put focus on that as an important part of this journey across. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's, um, let's dwell on some the real pragmatics. So you've mentioned the two-minute game and you've mentioned just like, say, having those moments of con- – just more consciously engaging, whether it's a hug at the door or some eye gazing before bed, I think you mentioned. Um, what other specific things um, do you suggest that um, uh, couples or small groups or friend units, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you suggest people do to maintain intimacy and love and sexuality mm. around the birthing process? Um. Well, one is just open communication. So start <laughs> <Yeah>. the conversations. <laughs> it's good good for so many things. <laughs> and often once you feel heard, you're, you're able to soften and allow for somebody in to yourself better. Yeah. So, so work on conflict and communicate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Build your good communication skills. Yeah. Um, touch. So any form of touch that brings you pleasure. So play with how you might feel pleasure differently in your body. Mm-hmm. So certainly I'm specific about what parts of the body really are working to open to help a baby come out. Mm. <laughs> so hips and lower back and shoulders and jaw, throat, those are focus areas as far as massage and touch. And then bringing sensuality into it only makes it more enjoyable. Mm. And so in the birth experience, that partner is going to be more easily able to give it in the birth space where you've got a midwife and a doctor walking in from time to time and, you know, a way to try to do that in a more public space. Mm. Um, But even going as far as internal massage, so they might be able to do some kind of body work together if they learn that practice, then they might be releasing tension I try to keep that separate to sensual arousal because mm. the mother might have her own processes around letting herself be touched internally and with the intention of releasing and letting go, which yeah. of course might mean emotions or held memories as well as physical, you know, the fibres of the muscles. Yeah. But anything where I even had a couple who kind of went into going, let's explore anal play mm. in my pregnancy 
so that I might feel my body, you know, the ho- a hole in my body opening up, that I can feel a sensation of releasing and letting go when I might feel a bit uncomfortable about it, but I'm curious and I know that it might feel good and it might feel amazing afterwards. Right, and also, oh, sometimes that's felt a bit painful in the past, but I, and so she, she and her partner actually use that as a practice for their birth preparation. Wow. So there are some parallels between opening up to anal play and opening up to childbirth. Yes. Huh, orifice substitution. And certainly spanking and, (laughs) you know, impact play on some level. But Mm. pregnant women will be... They'll they'll have probably a less tolerance to that Mm -hmm. than um, usual. Uh, Anyone been doing, like, role play in preparation? Ha. It's got to be out. It's got to be out. Someone's got to be doing it. It sounds like a good thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, perhaps perhaps to finish on, so you yourself have been through the birthing process a couple or a few times. Mm -hmm. I have two children. Uh huh. Um, What's one particular advice you wish that you were given, or, or what's something you learnt through the process that you didn't know beforehand? I think I would like to have been told to really value the relationship with my partner um, more deeply and with more consciousness than what I think I did. Hmm. I think the direction towards being a mother and taking care of children and they're vulnerable and they're gorgeous and all of that, but a healthy relationship, a healthy family I think can stem even better from a healthy parent partnership or whatever dynamic that is because sometimes there's more than one person in there. So that healthy adults <laughs> yeah. who are caring for those children yeah. have have got yeah. a commitment to investing time and energy to nurturing that. Hmm. Nice. All right. And so you're a doula. You assist people throughout this entire process. Um, what's your suggestion on when's the best time for a um, mother-to-be or a couple to get in touch and start inquiring about services such as yours? Mm. As soon as you feel an inkling towards it. <laughs> <laughs> as in an inkling towards pregnancy? An in- no, an inkling towards um, being aware. I think some extra support would be useful here. Right, yeah. Um, so I do, but mostly couples will engage me somewhere in their second trimester because there's a chance of miscarriage in the first 13 weeks. People are a bit cautious to really invest in their pregnancy yeah. until they're past that point. Yeah, you almost want to just shut your eyes and hope for the best and don't think about it because you might break it. Break. Oh, uh, you! We're done. We're past that stage. <laughs> yeah, and you're throwing up and feeling nauseous. And, yeah, yeah. Good, good times. Happy nipples, times. Nipples are getting weird and, you know, other things are happening. So, yes, yeah, so somewhere in that second trimester, often as the belly starts to grow, they're like, oh, yeah, there's really change happening here. Yeah. And often that's when they'll call me. And I love that because then we've got time to integrate learning and practices into their everyday life. Habits are easily repeated. Something brand new that you think you're going to use just on the birth day is not likely to be the case. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, I've got this um, imagination of your job as being this weird uh, flipping between almost being like present in a I want to say shamanic kind of way, tuned in, holding space. Mm-hmm. Some very, um, I imagine some very uh, 
deep and sensitive, delicate work there. And then uh, there's a stereotype that your role also involves then flipping roles and going into bat against the Western medical system and mm. arguing for rights and, and, and being very, I imagine, linear and logical and information-based in those moments. Is that, is that remotely what your job's like? Absolutely. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like I have to be really good at knowing the different parts of myself and how to switch one on more than the other at times or to have them all kind of integrated, which I call being in my wise one. Right. So when I can be in my wise self, then I'm facilitating that person and that partnership to birth their baby in the best possible way. So I think that it's about having awesome facilitation skills so that we're all recognising we're human beings. <laughs> the hospital staff are doing their best to do their job, but they're so in their role that they're not necessarily as skilled as knowing how can I help this couple keep that birth normal? I'm looking for a problem ready to fix it. Yes, yes. And they, the midwife herself, might have one couple in coming and go, why didn't you tell me I could have an epidural? To the other one going, please don't mention the word. Um and the couple themselves coming with their hopes for the birth that they've dreamt of and prepared for. So I feel like I do the work of helping everyone hear each other, but that ultimately it's a woman-centred experience and everything needs to come through a respectful communication with her and caring communication with her Mm. to help her decide what she wants to have happen at the birth. So there's presence, but there's also some consent language, you know, Babel fish interpreting that I do. Yeah, right. They say one thing, or we're going to do a vaginal exam next time we come round in about four hours, and I'll say their their suggestion is that in four hours when they come back they'd like to do a vaginal exam. Why don't we talk about that when that comes around? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, gotcha. Amazing. So consent and facilitation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure how you feel about Western medicine, but I know that uh, the, the way I asked that question before might have sounded like I was a little down on Western medicine. I, I feel like we're in extraordinary times here and the system mm. is just amazing. Um, but, yeah, sometimes coordinating all the bits um, and, and the, the, the administrative systems can be a bit of a challenge. I agree that we do have an issue with how the medical system is running and not just in maternity services, but that's the area I have more expertise in. The World Health Organization still says across the board of the globe in all countries that really there's not an improved outcome to mothers and babies after when Caesar rates are over 15% and ours is at 33. You know, there's something not right with evidence-based practice and, you know, what's happening in real life. So Wonderful. Thanks for the work you're doing. It's been lovely chatting about it. Thank you so much, Roger. Just a friendly reminder, do you know anyone that might like this episode? Share it with them now. Yay!